Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Well, hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. This is Kate. Jennifer. And I'm John. So we're starting our new series. It's called Passport. And we're actually going to be doing a bunch of these. Uh, We're going to be exploring different letters, epistles that Paul wrote. And we're starting uh, with, you have this grouping of four that are really well-known, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Have I told you guys my uh, my little acronym to help me remember my acrostic? I have acrostic? Heard it, but I think you should share My, my acrostic for remembering it. it. So you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Gentiles eat pork chops. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I learned it when I was in high school. That was like a long time ago, and I still remember it. That's how good it is. I've still got a song stuck in my head of the books of the New Testament. Ooh, do it. Do well, it, that's the section is... Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians, First and Second Timothy, Titus and Philemon. Anyways, that's just you know a few of them. Did you? <laughs> I know, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Not yeah, there's an Old Testament. There's a yeah. whole there's a whole Bible song. I, oh yeah. I have never learned the books of the Bible. At one point, I knew them really well. I don't anymore. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jennifer. I'm still looking for Third Timothy or whatever. <laughs> well, no, I, I know like... what by, I know what books aren't there. Yeah. <laughs> Hesitations. No, that, okay. So, real story. I was a youth pastor, and just to play a joke on my kids, I said, and my leaders, I said, everybody turned to Hesitations three, and my leaders opened up their Bibles and started looking for Hesitations three, and I'm like, oh, I've done a horrible job. <laughs> You've betrayed their trust. They trusted you. <laughs> The uh, uh, Anyway, so we're starting the series, but the reason why it's called Passport is we want to invite people to kind of journey in and get to explore what these books are about. And much like we look at locations, places that we've been, um, really, I think most people, they just glance over these, not realizing it's an invitation to explore. And there's a real beauty and a richness in uh, particularly the epistles, but they're also sometimes very difficult books to preach. I was just talking about this in Sermon Read-Through today. Um, the hard part is I, I forgot there's no stories in there. Yeah. There's it's and, and unless you know context like this, the first two chapters of Galatians, which is the first of this set of epistles, even though Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books in the Bible were written by Paul. Um, 27 books in the New Testament. In the New Testament. Sorry, yeah. not in the whole Bible. Thank you. 66. 66 in the whole Bible. Way to go. That's, yeah. I knew you could do well it. Well done. The. Uh, um, Sometimes the the epistles can be hard to preach because what we're so used to doing is just grab bagging things. Well, I like this verse. Sure. I like this. And what that leads to is a real, we think that scripture, the point of scripture is just a bunch of slogans. Yeah. Helpful slogans, right? I and, love that when you said that, that it was like uh, the the greeting cards of our life verses and yeah. things like that. Well, and that's because like, that's, and the epistles are filled with them. I mean, we have so many great Scriptures, so many great verses, one-liners, two-liners, but then we actually lose the context. And so we started, we're starting in Galatians this week and talking about Paul. And um, before we do that, I want to just kind of recap where we were the previous week. We just went through Tov, the series. Okay, and I asked it last week, but now that we're officially done and we've we've walked through belong, believe, become, I got to tell you for me, and I'd love to hear your guys' I've been, as I've been talking with people, I'm realizing in my own life, so often I've forgotten what it means to become like Jesus. Yeah. And uh, as even as I was prepping and preaching and doing sermon read through and after Sunday, uh, I still was really convicted. And I that's one of the things I had a pastor who said this to me once, Jason, preach a sermon to yourself before you ever preach it to anybody yeah, else. Right. And I walked away on Sunday going, wow, I'm still learning what it means to love like Jesus, including loving myself. And praise God that Jesus gives us the opportunity to not realize that we like to to realize we haven't arrived yeah to to not feel that stagnant oppression of being like i've made it i've become i've become i have become like praise god that he gives me these learning opportunities every day i agree like when you did um belong believe become after each one of those sermons that week you know and we do that each time you hear a sermon you try to look for how can i apply this and keep this relevant and, and fresh in my mind what i've learned sunday morning and it was like i saw the places where it's like wow i really am using letting shame tell me i don't belong here yeah. like 
are the places where I've unintentionally made someone else feel like they don't belong. It was very convicting. And same with believe. What are these lies that I'm believing? Or what are lies that I'm teaching? I'm a kids minister. We were talking about like uh, joking that like I've said this about Paul before. And it's like, wow, I'm guilty of that. These lies that we believe or perpetuate. And then it was the become and it was like, wow, I still have a long way to go. Even we as church staff members still feel that. And I think that's really great that Jason, you say that as a pastor is the one preaching it. Like, no, I preach this to myself first, by the way, everyone. So go ahead, Jennifer. I was just going to say, I loved that the series, they allowed, there's a flow from one to the next. And then you can, when you break down, when you deconstruct, you go to the one before that. And so it's like, if I need help with my believing I go to my belonging yeah. and let my community there build me up in the believing. Yeah. And then that helps me become, which then, you know, circles down back into more, be- more belonging and more believing and more becoming. And, and if synergism. I need, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just, I love the, how they flow back and forth. I agree. Both ways. So can I, I just real quickly, and then John, if you have one you want to share, I had, I had the, I was so encouraged by this. We had a new family who came and the wife told me, she said, um, my husband, and I were talking and her husband, she just came two weeks ago. Her husband came the first time. And his first response was, I felt so incredibly welcomed. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because that's what we've been really. It's intentional. We're yeah, trying. Like, we're trying. <laughs> well, and I was, I was talking with another pastor. Uh, it might have been another Christian. I don't remember who it was. But why, why does it seem like since COVID, um, some people are attending church less? Yeah. And one of the things that we kind of both arrived on is if the only reason why you're going to church is to hear a message. And to listen to music, you can do that online. Yeah. And that's what we promoted because that's the only way we could do community for a while. Right. But yeah. what it did is for some people like, well, that's all church has ever been to me. So I can just watch online or I'll just listen to another pastor. Yeah, we were talking about that. Like if you're coming to church to consume, you'll find somewhere else to consume. You go to a restaurant to eat out with your family and you find out that restaurant's closed for the night. What do you do? You just go to another restaurant. You go to another yeah. restaurant. Yeah. You just kind of go anywhere. There's That's not what we're trying to um accomplish here communicate yeah. here it's the community the belonging and that's what if what's going to ultimately going to see the church become more effective and grow and bring more people in is when we actually function as a community not just as a place to consume goods but a place to be in relationship because that's the longing that everybody has so he, when they said that i just if you're listening to this if you're proud of zion well done zion like i'm yeah. so proud yeah. of our community and, and i feel like we're starting to inhabit this more that's another word that's been really sticking with me is inhabiting like living in something like dwelling. yeah like that i want us to start inhabiting these these values that it's not just something we say it's something we actually dwell in yeah how about you was there one in particular for you and if if not we'll go on to talking about mm-hmm. galatians <laughs> <laughs> yeah right well i, I mean i i am I and mean, i always like diving into the context of particular verses and stuff like that and when you when you brought in the hebrew word tov which is we use it as the synonym good. good. Yeah. And it's like, it made me think more of how much more there was, well, how much more there are to those words that we read in the context that we get. And yeah. even the word good, you know, we just get, there's so much more to it than just, we use it so flippantly or casually, but it's just like, how's your day? Oh, it was good. good. Yeah. It's like, there's so much how's more to good. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. See, there's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's just like, there's so much more to, to God and what he's calling us to that is bigger than we could have thought, you know. That so. just made me realize something. When we read, and this is the problem with text today, when we text, we don't get intonation. Yes. No. <laughs> and we don't, we don't. And I wonder how, like when Paul or whoever was writing the scripture, like we, that's the voice we miss. Yeah. And we'll read scripture the way we want to hear it in our sure, head. Absolutely. And with our own biases. That's And that's what we do with text. Like, how, have you ever gotten a text and you thought the person was mad? Oh, oh especially man. if I'm already upset with someone <laughs> or I'm looking for offense our, and they text lens. me something. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm like, oh, did you read this, John? Look. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so what? Yeah. Yeah. It's factual there, dear. <laughs> Your well, hair was brown. It is not. <laughs> I, I, I love that when somebody texts a short phrase with a period. Oh, yeah. You know it. There, there's like <laughs> the, way, into it the way that generations also speak differently sure. online too. Like the way that Gen X or boomers use the ellipses, the three dots. Yeah. You know, and the way that a millennial or a Gen Z person receives that is much different. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, we should talk offline because I am not familiar with the three dots in the Gen X world. Well, so, and it's kind of just like if you say something like, dot, dot, oh, dot, I'll and... see you tomorrow, dot, dot, dot. And it's like, 
There's what, more to come. There's more to come. Yeah, there's more to come, and it's a negative connotation. But like sometimes people will use it more of like, and... that's the end of my thought, but it's informal. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's like sure. that, I don't. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> Inconceivable. The uh, uh, we talked about this idea of that. Um, we romanticize church, and I think we can romanticize scripture. We romanticize yeah. Paul. Characters in the Bible. Yeah, and it's it's so easy Absolutely. to do that. Um, what's the danger when you when you think about the danger of romanticizing? And I'll I'll, I'll just speak for my own like. I romanticize Paul. Like I have this idea of Paul as like this super apostle and having everything figured out. And that, that in 1 Corinthians 15, and I mentioned this, like he actually alludes to some almost guilt and shame. And I don't know if he actually felt that, but the language he uses where he's talking about, and I was called, and then he almost like, and, and me of all people, like yeah. Yeah. if there was anyone who didn't deserve God's grace, it's me. I persecuted the church. He brought up his past. Yeah. And it reminded me as I was reading and as, as I was prepping for this, Sometimes we elevate and we forget that Paul is not Jesus. Paul, and Derek said this during yeah, Retrue, is you. no, Paul always pointed people to Jesus. And sometimes we put, we fixate all our attention on Paul and Paul is like, stop looking at me, look at Jesus. Yeah. And so I, I think that's one of the things that happens, but we romanticize other things. We romanticize the first century church. We romanticize um, worship, whatever it might be. What are some things for you guys when you think about this, this what's the danger of romanticizing anything? really even romanticizing faith. What's the danger in romanticizing? I remember being new to my faith and learning what it means, what a testimony is, sharing your story and what that means. And it's like, no, this testimonial part of being a Christian isn't just sharing your story. You know, we think of uh, the woman at the well in John 4 when she, she goes to the town and says, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. She doesn't go and tell them every dirty little secret all well, about her did. five not husbands. Right. It was what Jesus did. Wow. And that like romanticizing a testimony, romanticizing the sin and the gore and the shock oh, yeah. of it and being like, oh, you've got a really good testimony. It's like, well, that's a really nice way of saying I lived a messed up yeah. life. <laughs> right? It's like you've got a good testimony it's like no i've got a good father who rescued me from that and this is the power of prophecy if he did it for me he can do it for you this is what jesus is we romanticize that and i think christians sometimes compare my testimony is not as good as yours because we romanticize a bad testimony and that's dangerous i didn't do drugs i didn't have affairs then praise god i love jesus my whole life that's what i pray for that's amazing (laughs) yeah i was raised in a christian home with parents who loved jesus and loved me i didn't have it as bad as you and I had this conversation dot, with dot, a dot. dear yeah, <laughs> I had that conversation with a dear friend that was like, wow, I, I sometimes get down on myself. I don't have a testimony like that, like yours. And I say, yours is what I need. As a Christian that came from, yeah. was delivered from something, your testimony is what I pray for for my son. Yeah. That he never has to go through what I did, Amen. but he can be raised in it like you were. Yeah. We need that. Okay, so, and I was, it just came to me. So Jennifer's husband is a police officer. A good night is a boring night. Like, and I think we forget that good often implies boring, but we, I think that's part of romanticizing is we assume good means exciting. It's going to have all these drama when, no, that shows the brokenness. And so for some reason, I just thought of Mike and I just picture Mike like, no, boring means that not bad, not a lot of bad is happening. There's a thing in public safety where it's like, how is, how is work? Well. For the rest of the world, it was good. For me, it was pretty lame. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Like, you know, so. What what are some other ways that we romanticize? What do you guys think? Well, you asked about what the danger was of romanticizing. And I think it's just so easy to miss Jesus then. Yeah. That's the danger. It's like if I'm looking to Paul and I'm just looking to Paul and there's a lot to glean from Paul's life. There's a lot to learn. God can use him to bring transformation to my life. I might miss Jesus if I'm not careful. And that's the danger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. It made me, when you said that, it, it, I picture it canonized my wife. If all I do is romanticize the feelings of love when I don't feel them, I've missed my wife in the process. Yeah. yeah. Like that's how many, how many couples are chasing the feeling instead of the person. Yeah. yeah. And, and what if we're pursuing relationship instead of the emotion? And that's yeah. what romantic yeah. is. Romanticizing is that emotional. Yes. So that, yeah. that, that's a great illustration. Yeah. That temporary feeling there. Yeah. I was thinking, not necessarily, it's related to this, but not necessarily about the characters of the Bible, but friends that I knew, uh, people that when I, when I was uh, a counselor at Bible camp, I remember like getting the informational packet about, okay, here's what you need to bring. 
uh, here are the people that you're going to be working with. And I still remember this. Right at the end, there was a little paragraph reflecting back on the list of all the staff members that were going to be working. And I remember it just said, it's tempting to look at this and see, wow, these people are so much better than I am. Like they've been here, you know, five summers, 10 summers, 20 summers. Why, why would I ever measure up? Like, how yeah. could I ever meet yeah. that? And it's like, that's not the point. You're here because God's called you here. Yeah. And God's going to do something through you. Yeah. In, in, but it's easy to get trapped in that feeling of like, I can never measure up to, yes. you know, anyone that I know, let alone Paul. You know, I yeah. can never be a Christian yeah. like him. It's the comparison trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which then leads to the shame trap. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is why we, I think it's so important that we read, the, we read Galatians. We read books of the Bible. So. Some churches, and, and for those listening, there are, there are different types of sermons. You have uh, those that are sermons that are topical where, hey, we're going to talk about fear, and so I'm going to pull verses on fear. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about verses that talk about not being afraid. Um, and then there's what's called ex- expositional expository preaching, which is you do more verse by verse or line by line, and you let the text find the topic. Mm-hmm. And I think the danger of topical preaching is sometimes we miss the fact that, no, these were actual people who had struggles. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love the epistles is that when you read them, man, the early church was jacked up. Like you, yeah. they, were, they did not have their stuff together. The only church that we really see that Paul praises heavily, and, and Philippians is a very encouraging book. Colossians has an encouragement, but Ephesians, man, you read Ephesians, you're like, man, this church gets it. But then by the time you get to Revelation, they're the church that's forgotten, their, forsaken their first love. Yeah. And this is, I, 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 I don't know if I'm, the Bible doesn't do itself a service because, and here's what I mean by that. It sounds really bad. Pastor Jason. No, the, the Bible is unique in that it doesn't put itself in this position that everybody who believes it has their stuff together. Yes. That all of its heroes are the heroes. Like other, other ancient literature, the Greek, the Greek heroes um, sure. in Islam, Muhammad. They're... Moses was still a deeply flawed person. Like yes. He was a murderer. Yeah, and Moses didn't make it to the promised land because he disobeyed God. And the only person, and I think this is why we have to read Galatians. This is why it's so important to do book studies and and actually taking time to go through the books of the Bible. Um, And at some point, we're going to do like Hosea and the prophets. But why the epistles are so good is these are actual churches with real people. This is not a title. Real problems. Yeah, this is not a title of a sermon. First Corinthians, we think of it as a a scripture. These were people. The yeah. Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, just like what would be be the Clear Lakeians. I mean, like right. Clear Lakers. That's what would be the Clear <laughs> yeah. Lakers, right? And and so when we read Galatians, we see a church that's in a lot of turmoil. And Paul, and and one of the things that I've I enjoyed uh, when I was in school, we began to really explore the nature of who Paul was, and that Paul actually, I mean, Paul could be a little harsh at times. First uh, Corinthians, we were joking about this. You have First Corinthians where Paul comes down really hard on the Corinthian church, and then in Second Corinthians, like, "Hey, a little sorry about my last letter. I know yeah. that was a little harsh." And then Second <laughs> Corinthians is way nicer and way more encouraging. Paul was still in process. Yeah, I think you actually see Paul grow. Yes. Yeah. And which is really cool. Well, and if you actually, if you do the history, the dates of Paul's literature, because they're not in order. So the way our our New Testament is formed is not based upon. Uh, dates of writing. It's not chronological. It's not chronological at all. It's based upon ideas or concepts or what they're trying to do. And when you read Galatians, Galatians is one of Paul's earlier letters. They, some scholars put it about 20 years after Christ. Um, that's not very long. No, yeah, right. Like in, in the grand scheme of things, that's not very far, especially in the ancient world where they didn't just write books on computers. Like to write a book was hard. To write a letter was not easy. And you read Paul in Galatians, and then by the time you get to Philippians or you get to Timothy, you have a very different Paul. He seems yeah. softer. Yeah. He seems almost more fatherly or even grandfatherly maybe because I think about grandfathers tend to be even different than fathers. Aren't yeah. The, the wisdom, the grace, and the, 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 um, the slowness of it yeah. where, you know, he was very uh, quick to react in Galatians. Very. Very quick to react. Mm-hmm. And we get it. We feel it. And, you know, it's like that's not – He's grown so much since the guy that was brawling with Peter, you know. <laughs> well, and, and that's we're going to get into that in, in next week. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about, you know, Paul had some harsh things to say, and we're going to talk about how do we deal with conflict in the church. That's coming Ooh. up in the next couple of weeks. Um, 
when we look at this idea of Paul moving and growing, one of his big things is this group called the Judaizers. And we actually talked about the danger or the struggle of this conversation or topic is we don't have a direct parallel between the Judaizers of then and a people group today. And the Judaizers were actually Jesus-loving people, much like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were not mean people. The Pharisees were really wanted to see God's people uh, protected and elevated by the Lord. They wanted to see Israel restored. And they thought the reason why, well, they knew the reason why Israel lost everything is because they disobeyed God. Yeah. So they became protectors of the law, saying, hey, we need to stay online so that we get our country yeah. back. But that they ended up loving the law more than they loved That's the right. one who gave it to them. And the Judaizers, so G Christianity started off as a Jewish religion. It was actually a sect of Judaism at first. It wasn't a new religion. It was just a different form of Judaism. And even in Acts, you see some Jews, Gamaliel at one point is like, listen, if Jesus yeah. is from God, then it's you can't get in the way of these men. If it's going to be from God, it'll succeed. If it's not, it'll fail. Yeah. And this group called the Judaizers were, um, they were Jewish Christians who went, Jesus was Jewish. And all the apostles are Jewish. And I mean, that's not a big stretch to go, well, yeah. and that means if you want to be a Christian, you need to be Jewish first. Well, we even do that today. I think of like, we were talking about it last week in the podcast, where it's like this milestone checkmark benchmark system of like, well, were you baptized as an infant? Yeah. Did you get your third grade Bible? Were you confirmed? Were you confirmed? That's the big one. Where it's like, you have this, this, there is a way we do things around here, people. You can't believe in Jesus unless you believe all this other stuff too. This is the way it And goes. if you're not confirmed, you may not actually be a Christian. Right. And I wasn't growing, I didn't grow up in a confirmation setting or I can, Baptist don't confirm. <laughs> Uh, EV free doesn't confirm. And, and actually confirmation is really comes from Catholicism. It's a leftover sure. from Catholicism. And, and here's the thing. So for them, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to NT right geek out a little bit I, again. You love Bob Goff. I love NT right. It's if you're fine. Listening, I love you. <laughs> Jesus plus Bob Goff. No, no, no. no it's, it's Jesus, Jesus plus NT right. It's fine. Um, so NT right. And before NT right, there was a guy named EP Sanders. And, and this is, this is my, I love this stuff. So E.P. Sanders uh, started doing research. And after the, the texts at Qumran, which are the Dead Sea Scrolls, what they discovered was, is that the Jews never actually believed you earned salvation through good works. There's no evidence that the Jews ever taught, including the Pharisees, that you were saved by works righteousness. That's something that Catholics brought in. And so Luther, that's why he responded so heavily to works righteousness. That was a Catholic belief, not a Jewish one. In reality, what the works of the law were, were the evidence that you were a Jew. And so how did somebody, you had outward evidence that somebody was Jew, and how would you know, if, how would you know a Jew for a Roman? Well, first, they all took Saturday off. Romans didn't take Saturdays off. Yeah. Saturday was the Sabbath. So that was the first sign. So this is being faithful. You want to know that that person's a Jew? There's the sign that he's a Jew. He doesn't earn that to be a Jew. That's the evidence he's a Jew. Yeah. Second one is food he doesn't eat. Romans eat anything. Jews don't eat pigs. They don't eat bacon. They don't eat lobster. There's all these things they don't eat. And then the third one, which was circumcision. And so the works of the law, and this is what E.P. Sanders started doing. He did this in the late 60s. He started realizing, going, if that's true, then why do we think that Paul is always talking about works righteousness? And in Galatians, he's actually not talking about works righteousness. These Judaizers thought that, hey, before you can be saved, you first have to demonstrate that you are Jewish. Because Jewish, this, this is the sign of what it means to be a Jew are these three things. Not you do them to be saved. They're the evidence that you're part of the club. Yeah, that, that you're sense. this set-apart people, this chosen this, people. You can't right. be a saved, chosen people if you're not a part of the chosen people yet. And that's the evidence. Yeah. And so it's not that you earn it. They didn't believe you earned it. Rather, it was the sign that you actually believed it. Yeah. And Paul comes in and says, none of that matters. The sign is faith. Faith in Jesus, you don't need to be circumcised. You don't need this. And, and let's, we can get personal. You don't need confirmation. You don't need, those are not the evidence of salvation. The evidence of salvation for Paul is faith. And we're going to get into that in the next couple of weeks. But we think about this idea of the Judaizers. We don't have a direct correlation. We don't have people coming in and saying, no, we need to make people more Jewish. That's just not a problem most of us face. I'm sure there are people somewhere that do that. Mm -hmm. And so when you read uh, Galatians chapter 1 and 2, which are all about these Judaizers, making a direct correlation always kind of is lacking. Um, do you feel like maybe, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But do you feel like maybe that's something that because of the way that our culture work, 
works now as so individual and so shame-based that maybe those are some things that we impose upon ourselves of like, I'm not insert here enough that I have to go through these things more. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think there's definitely a possibility that. I know uh, 30, 40 years ago, it was probably more prominent. Um, I was a pastor of a Reformed Church of America. And before that, it was called Dutch Reformed. And in the 1800s, there was a schism in the Dutch Reformed. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, forward. There was there was a, a fracture over education, and it fo- it formed now two communities: the Christian Reformed and the Reformed Church of America. And here's the crazy part: I had my old pastor at, at Peace Church in Egan, Minnesota. Uh, his wife was raised CRC. I think she was CRC. He was RCA. She talked about that they had an entire community that separated and wouldn't talk to each other. That's heartbreaking. And and that these are all people who love Jesus. Now, I knew nothing about, I didn't know the Reformed Church of America was a thing. Like, I'm like, there's what's Reformed? I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. And I got, invite, I got invited to speak to a CRC camp, and I was an RCA youth director. And I had people like, well, you can't do that. They're CRC. Wow. What? Well, you're not allowed to. But I mean, they're, they're not okay people. Wow. That's the closest we have, which was well, we, we see that too in the Lutheran Church when there was a big split, even with that when we went to LCMC and the ELCA. Yeah, and that was more. There were some doctrinal differences right. which led to that, but you're you're not on the wrong track. Mm. Like there is, we still do some of that, and and we still have maybe older school Lutherans or Baptists. Um, you know, well, we're Lutheran. Those other people, yeah, that's maybe the closest we can get. Would you? I was just thinking about this though. Would you? I mean, not to get too political, but would you? Th- do you think that sometimes the politics? Oh, now become, you're talking. They become the Judaizers of our day. Yes. Yeah. Right? I would say so that's like, you'd probably hit that on the head. Yeah. So, like, if I'm feeling, I I don't even I don't even know if I want to say certain things oh. on this podcast. You know what I'm saying? But yep. it's like. Well, Christians you, have to be this. Do you really believe Jesus if you believe or we agree see with that. this political party? Kind yeah, of the polarization of politics that bleeds into our faith where yeah. it's like, oh, you're too liberal to be a Christian. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not conservative enough to be a Christian. And it's like, okay, when did like that come a part of the or this Jesus plus what do you believe on yeah. yes or even patriotism right nationalism right. yeah well so, so there and I there's, don't know if those are on the same line of that no they are of. no they are and I think yeah. I think you're I think you're hitting on you're on the right track it's just not exact it's to not, the same because the same. and the reason why it's not the same is Jesus was Jewish mm-hmm. yeah. so there there was a reason for misunderstanding and Paul's like you're perverting the gospel Jesus yeah. didn't die so that you could be circumcised to be saved Crosses but enough. man, I can so empathize with the Judaizers. Yes. Of, of exactly how they could saying. get like, off track like wow, that. Wow, Jesus was Jewish. I want to be like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The apostles are Jewish. I they're they're examples for me. And, yeah. And that in yes, that misses the point, right? Because yeah. the danger of romanticizing is missing Jesus, yeah. missing the intent of Jesus. And the uh, problem that's and and I think the problem with the Judaizers and why Paul is so harsh on them is that they started moving in hostility. Mm-hmm. And we can get so caught up yes. in that we're certain about things sure. that that's also how we romanticize. My theology is better than yours. Yeah. We see that with that polarization of politics well, where it starts to get inciting violence. You see that yeah. with the, the and, Facebook. And of all the places to talk now. to, the podcast is the place. I try and stay away from politics. I mean, I'll make political jokes every once in a while, but I always do it even-handed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm going to make fun of Biden, I'm going to make fun of Trump too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because neither one of them are Jesus. Neither yeah, of them absolutely. saved, right? Amen. And and but I think I think you're hitting on the right head because we are the most polarized in my lifetime. I've never felt this polarized. I'm 46 years old, which isn't it's not young, also not super old, right? I think they call that middle aged. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, I, I love you so much. I, I am driving a Miata. No. <laughs> For you younger people, Miatas were small convertible sports cars that were very inexpensive. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody my age is like, ha Miata, you're old. Um, but I think I think what happens is, and this is actually part of the reason I wanted to do this, which I want to start with Galatians, not just because it's first out of this smaller grouping of epistles, letters, is because there was such division in the church. Yeah. And there still is. Like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a very I'm gonna confess something. I made a comment at one point and I said, you know, honestly, I think that if I was anti-Trump publicly, I might lose my job. Mm-hmm. I told a friend of mine that and he's like, really? I said, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's such a strong view that if you're a Christian, you have to believe this or I'd be silenced. But if I was pro-Trump, 
man, you 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 could shout her from shout all, all the way. You could shout her, no fear. But if I was to be anti-Trump, that could be a problem. And I'm not saying I'm pro or anti. I always try and leave it so nobody knows what I am. Hi. But that's that's a problem. And I've had other people like I, I actually heard somebody say you can't love Jesus and and vote for Biden. What? Mm. What? Like godly yeah. people. Actually, you cannot say things like that to me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you want to say can't? But I mean, that's like that language of can't. You yeah. cannot be a Christian. And there are some things that like we have hard things like abortion. Yeah. Can yeah. you be a Christian and believe in abortion? Now, I believe that as a Christian, we should always stand against abortion. I know Christians are like, I, I believe that women should have the right to choose. Now, I can't judge their salvation. Yeah. I don't have the right to do that. I think what's so damaging about that division, and, and probably the same in Paul's time, is it's just the intolerance of, yeah. of you are still my brother in Christ. Yes. And that, I think, is what's, and I don't know, because I don't know Galatians well enough, but I, you know, I can just imagine Paul going, guys, 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 it is faith. You have faith? They have faith. It's faith, you know, and like there's a commonality. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's the danger now with div- divisive, 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 divisive is right. Yeah, uh, yeah either way, now, yeah. it's like potato, well, potato. Then, then you know what? You and I can't be brothers and sisters right. in Christ. And it's like, but wait, there's still a commonality because yeah. it's still faith in Christ. There's nothing wrong Jesus. with division. There's nothing wrong with conflict. It's when we start to get that polarization, not so much division, but there will be things we disagree about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Disagreement is not I mean, the same as dis- disunity. And yes. Yes. And I think that's I think that's the the uh, the danger, really, yes. to use that word again of this. Yeah. It's like disagreement's not bad. It's the disunity yeah. yes. that's harmful. And Paul actually is harsh to them because they actually are perverting the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're not just disagreeing, they're changing the gospel. And that's why Paul is so harsh. He's not like, hey, we just come from different sides of the same boat. He's like, y'all are in a totally different boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and, got and out of the boat. You physically you, you left You got out of the boat. boat. You created a new back. boat. You yeah. created a new boat and are sailing a different direction. Yeah. And even in our yeah. cults, so this is um, a lot of cults that have br- branched off of Christianity. This is why like Mormonism, Jehovah Witness. Um, can I say that there are going to be no Mormons in heaven? No, I can't say that. It's faith through Christ. I know Mormons who truly, truly love Jesus. However, if the more they learn their doctrine, if their doctrine starts going, they're not actually talking about the same Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same is true of Jehovah Witnesses. And here's where the division comes in, is that when you start perverting the gospel, Paul actually says, then you're not believing the gospel at all. Right. He doesn't give you, oh, there's two different gospels. No, there's one gospel. And if you believe anything different, it's not the right gospel. Yeah. And here's where we get caught up is we start making things the gospel that aren't the gospel. Yes. Lutheranism is not the gospel. Baptist is not the gospel. Um, those are expressions of how we perceive, how we worship God, how we what we believe about weird things like election and predestination and all that stuff. But the, the problem becomes is that when we pervert the gospel, we can't just simply say, oh, we're just disagreeing. No, because that disagreement could lead people to hell. Yeah. Yes. I think what's challenging for me, though, sometimes is like, obviously, the more I learn about Jesus, my understanding of the gospel changes. Yes. Yes. And I feel well, like- okay, let me ask a question. Does it change or does it nuance? I would say it, it, it like, it, I would say it nuances. Because changes implies like, I used to believe I was exactly. saved by Jesus alone. And yeah. now I'm realizing, no, changing means it's something different. I right. get deeper. I grow. That's right. Yeah. And I, 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 the things, it gets more refined. Yes. Yes. Because yes. I've always believed, even when I first became a Christian, but it was more for hellfire insurance. I was saved so I wouldn't go to hell. Sorry, I've what? never heard that before. That? Go back. Hell go back. back. You've never heard that before? No. Sorry, that's no. good Baptist language right there. That's we, okay. So here's what's be, funny. Okay, uh, and I'm going to give a shout living. out. We have our we have our, our worship director candidate here with us, uh, Sean. Say hi, Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey, well, hello. He's, he's listening in. He's here for the week interviewing. And so I, I'm, we're having him listen and kind of get a sense of what we're doing. And you were, were you raised Baptist or yeah. more? And so as soon as I said that, Sean shook her head and everybody else was like, what did you say? I'm like, that's straight Baptist language right there. I want my business card to say Hellfire Insurance Sales Associate. But that's okay. So I became a Christian, but here's what I was taught. I was taught that it's through faith in Jesus that I'm saved. That's true. However, the focus was on so that I wouldn't go to hell. Yeah. Now, the first part is 100% true. And then it was... I have faith in Jesus so I can be saved from hell and so that I'm a good moral person. That's also true. But I had the, I had the gist of it. Yeah. And then as I started maturing my faith, I started realizing it's 
if hell is my focus, then it's more about avoiding something than going to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I started realizing, wait, if the gospel is just about me behaving better, well, what do I do with my atheist friends who behave way better than yeah. I do? Right. Like, I have people that are non-believers who have cleaner mouths than most Christians I know. Mm. And and I, and 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 it just it messed with me. So my that's why I asked, was it a changing of the no, gospel or not nuancing? A, not a change, and yeah. that it's like a, like not that the basics change, but just a, a refinement. Yeah. And. Yeah. And Paul's arguing because they were changing the gospel. Yes. That's why he's so yes. harsh is that these people were saying we're Christian, but we're actually perverting. He uses that word perversion. Yeah. And I, I'd have to look at what the Greek word is there. But this idea is, no, you're not nuancing. You are creating a different gospel, yeah. which therefore is not leading people to Jesus. And therefore, people are not actually going to have this encounter with Jesus and be saved, not just from their sin, not just from hell, but for this kingdom movement that God is doing. Um. Now, I, we referenced a lot of actually previous sermons. We talked about yeah. Derek's G- Jesus Plus, which I'd highly recommend you listen to. The first week one was the first one of the series was so good where Derek created that, he had that little joke. Uh, he talked about all the things. I thought it was Jesus. And then I didn't realize it was Jesus Plus. I got to tie. Then I got to go to church every week. Yeah. And I got to go. And it was never a water on my head. And then I drink the blood. What is this about? I don't yeah, like I, ghosts that are spooky. Yeah. And I need the Holy Ghost. What's a good? I don't like ghosts. Like that was so funny. Yeah, but, was funny. but this is actually in one of the, one of the values that we're trying to create within our message is realizing that nothing is standalone. Yeah. All of our stuff should be connecting if we're doing it well. And we talked about this idea for them. It was Jesus plus Moses. And Paul's whole thing is, no, it's just Jesus plus nothing. Yeah. If you want to bring Moses in at one point, and we'll get into this later, Paul's like, hey, listen, if you really think you're saved by being circumcised, then cut the whole thing off and then you'll be super spiritual. Mm-hmm. Like you think you're spiritual now because you got a little skin taken off? Cut it all off, man. And then you're really spiritual. Mm-hmm. And every guy's like, no, thank you. Yeah. I don't need to be spiritual. Right. But that's Paul. Like that's graphic. Yeah. Yeah. Paul gets pretty he's aggressive. Yeah, he's he so aggressive. I'm pretty sure he's an eight on the Enneagram. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we talk about, we talked about that Jesus plus religion plus deeds plus money and Derek going back and reminding us, no, it's Jesus plus nothing. We then get into these last, that next section where he says the grace and peace of God. And I never thought about it this way before. Truly. I, I mean, honestly, I don't think I've ever thought about it until I was writing this. And studying, Paul isn't talking to non-Christians about receiving the grace and peace. He's talking to people who already believe. And I got really convicted. Like, I actually don't regularly play, pray, God, be gracious to me today. Yeah. Give me that unmerited favor, that unmerited blessing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I fell into that trap of thinking grace was just something I received when I sinned. But unmerited favor means that God actually wants to show grace in every aspect of my life. He wants to bless me beyond measure. That doesn't necessarily mean financially, yeah. but that really hit me. And then this idea of peace, like how often do I actually pray for God's peace in my life? For not, not the absence of conflict, but for wholeness. That, oh, not the absence of conflict? Oh, okay. not I just was going to say every single day of my life. But then, <laughs> That's an Enneagram 9. This is yeah, becoming yeah. another Enneagram I podcast. Know. We keep referencing I I loved how you specifically said, Salvation grace and daily grace. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, mm-hmm. no, I need salvation. I needed salvation grace. Check it. Check yeah. it off the list. I have it. Oh, but, man, I want daily grace today. I want God's daily provision for today. Yeah. Just enough. Just enough because tomorrow he's going to be there, too, and I can have it again then. I want God's peace, his daily peace yeah. today in my life and in my yeah. relationships and and what areas where I'm striving and all and all of that. Mm-hmm. So there's that, like a counseling term of like big T's, little T's, and we the big T's are like the big traumas that happen in yeah. your life. Little T's are those little daily things that you that really do affect and they add up, uh-huh. right? And it's when you like, said T's, I smelled in my head. T E A S, like the drink. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. I love it. I can drink like a tiny little tea. <laughs> like, people are like, big tea. Oh, it took it. me a second, a hot second or, to go, what are you talking or about? Or golf teas. Or golf teas. Uh, uh, yeah. But anyway, oh, so. Delicious. Mm. That is a big tea. Anyway, so it's like this idea of like big G, little G. Like we've got this big G grace that comes yeah. in and yeah. it saves my life, it saves my salvation, my soul. And then you've got these little G's that you forget to ask for until you're in the middle of an overwhelming amount of suffering. Like 
I, I know sometimes I'll pray for peace and grace. Like, God, I am really struggling. I am a grumpy guest today. Please be gracious with me. Please let others be gracious with me. Or, you know, if it's like there's a lot of turmoil going on in my life, God, please give me your peace. But if I'm going good, walking on sunshine, do I still pray that way? Yeah. And no, it's those little yeah. G's I forget about. That, yeah. And it's like, no, I, I do need that. Well, what, what hit me more was I also realized that I usually just associate grace with sin. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's where that unmerited favor, like sometimes grace is me just blessing somebody being blessed just because they want to be a blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, how often do I'm like, God, I just, would you please just bless me today in just the way that you want to, not the way I want to. I'm not asking you to help me win the lottery. Yeah. Like sometimes that's what we assume it is, but sure. it's those small things that it's not just about sin. Like I've, I've always understood God gives me daily grace for sin. Yeah. yeah. But it hit me this idea of, wait, his grace and peace because that's the will of God, the Father, and of Jesus. And I'm like, I, I want my kids to experience my grace every day, not just for their failures, but just because I love them. Yeah. And John talks about this idea of the lavish, the Father lavishes yes. his love on us. And sometimes what if grace isn't just about sin? Sometimes it's just about, it's about blessing. It's like a luxurious love. Like you didn't do this. I didn't, I'm not giving you grace because you screwed up. I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you a blessing simply because I love you. Yeah. And I, that hit me. Like I really, I was like, oh my, I've. I don't think I've ever actually prayed those words. And part of me feels guilty if I did. Like, I already feel so blessed. We live, in a, need... we live in an amazing oh, country. Yeah. Why do I need more? Yeah. And then yeah. you get this selfish idea. Like, you're, you start to bubble wrap your prayers so you're not like a selfish Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's awesome about that is it moves us, moves it away from it being about me and it moves it away, moves it to being about God. Yeah. Yes. Right? It's not about mm. my sins and being forgiven as great as that is. It's about. God loving me and his character that he did I love that. that. I just had a connection. Okay, check this out. What do you guys think about this? Paul was in prison. We would say that wasn't a grace, but what if Paul's imprisonment was for the grace of the Roman centurion he was chained to? Yeah. And Paul understood that, which is why I consider it all joy. So this bad things happens to Paul, but it was actually a grace gift for the Roman centurion who didn't know Jesus. Mm. And as you were saying that, I was like, wow, what a profound way of looking at grace. I might go, that doesn't feel fair. And Jesus is like, you have no idea what I'm trying to accomplish here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm showing so much grace to this person through your suffering. Right. That you have no idea what I'm preparing. And that's, I mean, that's such, that I just, as you were talking about, I'm like, oh, wow. Because now it's, grace does not always mean I get what I want. It means yeah. that God is going to use me. And that's where the blessing comes in. Yeah. And my job is to have the kingdom perspective yes. where Paul is like, I consider it all joy I'm in change. Yeah. yeah, what an honor it is that I get to be this person that's doing this. This is a grace for me, a grace yeah. gift that I'm chained to this person, but you're in prison. Yeah, but you're I get chained. to preach the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just think anytime we can move it off of us to God, yeah. that's a win. That perspective ch- yeah. shift that we need, that's yeah. that daily perspective shift. I agree. Um, just just because we've got a little bit, a little bit of time left, um, I want to talk about, and I know we'll, I'll talk a little bit about it in the message, but we have these words, Christianese terms, and we're going to show that video beforehand, the things Christians say, but we have a lot of Christianese words. And grace is one of those. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think people understand it on a general sense, but they, from a Christian perspective, it usually means something different. It's heavier. It's heavier, for sure. Um, a word, apostle. Uh, we have disciples. So the, the, I think the best way to look at it is all Christians are disciples. Anybody, anybody who's a student is a disciple. But an apostle with a capital, a capital A was somebody who specifically walked with Jesus. And they were called by Jesus. Their ministry was confirmed by Jesus. They are a capital A apostle. But then in Ephesians 4, Paul says that some are called to apostles. These are little A's. And apostles are just messengers. Yeah, That's all they are. They're people who are going out and they start ministries. They bring their heralds of the gospel. They start communities. And Paul, and we'll get more into this in the coming weeks, but the Judaizers were like, you're not really an apostle, Paul, because you didn't actually walk with Jesus. You're a, you can say you're a little A apostle, but you're not a big A. But that's reserved for the big 11. The big guys, not Judas anymore because Judas died, Ooh. right? <laughs> but all the other ones, they're, they're apostles, not you. And Paul's like, no, I was called. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes, as one abnormally born or called. He didn't walk with Jesus. He had to experience Jesus after the resurrection on, on that horse, which we'll get into in Acts chapter 9 the following week and, and next week's. Um, but I think sometimes these Christianese words can, for Christians, sometimes we don't even understand what they mean. Yeah, we throw them around mm-hmm. so flippantly and it's like, do you really know what that means? Well, no, but I know the context <laughs> to make it sound like I know what it means. Premillennial dispensationalism. Uh-huh. And, and that is words, right? We have all, 
Hedge of protection. Hedge of protection. Yeah. Uh traveling mercies. There's an yeah. <laughs> um lastly, this very last section of scripture in verse 10, Paul talks about his identity as one not called by men, not called by the approval of men. Um in our journey process, uh, we talk a lot about our identity triangle. And it, it was created by a guy named Mike Breen, and maybe he got it from somewhere else, I don't know. But we talk about it's so important to have our identity rooted in Jesus, and whatever we worship will define us. And whatever defines us will obey, and that obedience is our act of worship, right? And Paul closes with the last part, and then he's going to get into some really hard things about the Judaizers in the next week, coming week. Um, when we don't understand the gospel, it's usually because we don't really understand God. We don't understand God's heart. We don't understand God's mercy is love. And when we don't understand God's mercy and love, we, our identity gets all messed up. And when there's a perversion of the gospel, it perverts our identity. It perverts our perception of God. Um, how are some, what are some things that you've learned or discovered about who God is that have shaped who you are? I love that you were talking about the apostleship and, um, you know, how these people are calling Paul out saying, you're not a real apostle. Yeah. And they're questioning his calling. And when I feel like if I, if somebody came to me and said, Kate, you're not a real children's minister, you know, and they're questioning my calling, I immediately would question my identity as a Christian. I immediately question my worth, my inherent worth of what God says is true about me. I would question that immediately with one phrase that questions my calling, it would spiral down. Right. And I think that that's so beautiful that we go right from that apostle part into talking about the identity and being sure of that. And I'm, I'm sorry that I, I forgot what the question was you asked because no, it's okay. I just this is to better. say that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that these spiritual gifts, that this calling when we were talking about that, like the, the apostleship being a, a spiritual gift today, there, that there's many mentioned in the Bible. And we talk about like hospitality, Pro- yeah. prophecy, um, evangelism, evangelism, pastors, apostleship, teachers, shepherds, these like yeah. church plants, but even just like the fact that you are called and entrusted with the gospel. Is All of us are called. All of us are disciples, no matter what. And the fact that even Paul, who we like romanticize as this like, you know, super Jew, super apostle, was even questioned where it's like, yeah. oh, okay, where do I base my truth and identity in? Well, so, you know, I've, I've been in ministry. This is my 21st year of full-time ministry. And before I was a pastor, October's Pastor Appreciation Month. And don't get me wrong. We appreciate I'm, you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm, I am, yeah, I'm, all right. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm, <laughs> I I'm grateful for it. But one of the things that always broke my heart is I'd be working as a director and I'm putting in just as many hours as the pastor is and nobody's saying, hey, thank you. We appreciate you loving on our kids. As if the pastor's the only one. And that's one of the things where I'm going to, I'm just going to say this to you guys. One, I appreciate you. Oh, and, and I'm only as successful as a pastor as the team around me, including the other pastors and directors and support people. But here's why I bring this up is that that is one of those ways that sometimes this is also why we don't say I'm Pastor Jason. I'm Jason. My one of my roles is to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Kate. One of her roles is to be a director. Her identity is not that. And I, I think sometimes that's another area where we do second class citizenship yes. and identity is, well, only the pastors. Those are the real ones who do the ministry. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Mm-hmm. The best ministry is done by the people who don't even work at the church. You know, preach I was it, just sister. telling John, my <laughs> husband, true. last night that my day yesterday was so good. And it was because it was a very blatant reminder of the type of ministry that I love to get to do because it was the ministry that it was just me, this other person and God and no one else sees it. And it was so blessing to me and to the other person. It was this mutual kind of love and respect for each other and for God and no one else saw it. And it happened except for God. And it was like several times yesterday that happened. And I was like, man, I love those kind of days. Well, and and even like, for instance, one of the things that happens in, um, and Jennifer, you just alluded to this. Let's take welcoming. Okay. Now, Sunday mornings, yes, people want me to, they want me, they expect me to welcome them. But it means very little in the long run when a pastor or a staff member says hello. But when an average person in the church who doesn't have a title in their name, that's not their job, makes you feel welcome, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is a really welcoming church. That's my job. Yeah. People expect me to disciple. And that doesn't mean they're not grateful. 
But what does it say? Like we're trying to become a community that's becoming a community. And, and that's your, your job is not to, I'm Kate, I'm Kate Hopple. I'm this. And all these other, the other people are here to serve me. No, you're elevating them. Jennifer, you're raising up people. John, you're raising up people. I mean, that's, that's our job. And that's what Ephesians four is. And I think one of the lies that Paul was getting into in Galatians and part of our division, sometimes division is around politics, though it often is not even around our theology. Sometimes it's even around our worth and identity because yeah. we are attached it to the wrong thing. Yes. And when we attach it to the wrong thing, well, and sometimes that identity goes the other way. I can't be used because I'm not a pastor. Yeah. Yep. Or I'm. Where you're kind of like, it's almost an excuse at this point where it's like, oh, I can't well, step I can't. out and do this. Right. Yeah. That's for other people. I'm not called into ministry. I'm, I'm not, not a, a missionary. I didn't go to school. I didn't. Yes. I didn't. And. And that's I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not that's enough. right. Enough, enough, enough. And that's what we talked about last week. Yeah. And it's, and I think God is breaking some lies around that. Yeah. I and I think Galatians, that. and I'm excited for Ephesians next because yeah. Ephesians is all about identity, but we're going to spend, we might spend eight weeks in Galatians. I don't know how long we're going to be in it. Um, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, our, kind of the big idea was, is that, and I, I'm going to reiterate it again, because I just said it a few minutes ago, is that when we have a messed up, gospel, it's because we have a messed up view of God. We have a messed up view of God and of our gospel. We have a messed up identity. And Paul comes at this hard because most of our divisions center on one, if not all of these things. Most divisions are because you have a wrong view of God, a wrong view of the gospel, a wrong view of your identity. Think about all the divisions in the church that take place. It's one or all of those things. And Paul Galatians is a great way to talk about it in belonging, which is why we're doing this whole series. Paul's saying, you don't get to determine who belongs based upon your religious system. Jesus, faith in Jesus is what makes you belong. And I'm excited for what God's going to do here. All right. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. This is Kate. I'm Jennifer. And I'm John. Someday I'm going to go the opposite. Hey, let's try it. This is Jason. I'm John. Jennifer. I love you, Bob Goff. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.